This has been big news for a while. And last week, we started an interview with the co-founders of Stand With Production, Aaron Weil and Cheyenne Cage, about all the hard work that went into actually creating a new Mm -hmm. national union with IATSE for commercial production department people. Right now, it's like so topical, right? Because we're still in the middle of strikes. We, I mean, so many people are out there fighting for just a little bit of the piece of the pot. Like, not to get political, Lawrence, (laughs) but with how much money CEOs and corporations are making and how much we're just trying to fight for having like clean and humane working conditions Mm -hmm. is such a stark difference. So this is the most important talk I know that I'm interested in these days. Yeah. So stick around, grab a drink. We're getting into part two of our conversation with Aaron and Cheyenne of Stand With Production and uh, our new union. I never thought I'd say it, but holy shit, here it is. I know. I'm so excited. (laughs) Roll the tape. Welcome to the Producers Happy Hour with your hosts, Sister Christian and Lawrence Lewis. We are two producers with over 20 years of experience each, chatting over drinks about what it means and what it takes to be a good producer. Join us for insightful interviews and informative show topics that will help you get through your toughest jobs, biggest production challenges, and most difficult clients. So grab a drink. You're going to need it. And let's get to it. Because making shit is hard. For those of you who don't know out there, like New York unions, boy, if my dad was in a union in New York, I feel very strongly I would be in that union right now, whether I was qualified or not. And I know that that sounds harsh because I know a lot of the children that of the beloved crew members that I work with are good at what they do and they got in, but they were nurtured and taken through the process, but they were given the in because of who they know. Mm-hmm. And which led to, I would say, not the most diversity that I've ever seen in unions. <laughs> now, in contrast, in LA, there is there is more diversity, especially in union leadership, I will say that, and that there are more initiatives. But I feel strongly that production is such a plethora of amazing human beings that have all different kinds of backgrounds. I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, but I'm assuming here that um, there will be initiatives to address diversity and inclusion within this particular union. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what Aaron and I are like most passionate about. I mean, all all for the union rules and all of that, but I'm kind of like, I don't need to get Mm -mm. too involved in like meal penalties and whatnot. Like people need to be protected, but really like, the reason we're so invested and the reason we've been, we've seen this through and are Mm going to continue to see this through is to make sure that this new amazing opportunity to build something from scratch, a national union to represent 5,000 people, like huge. It's going to be the largest union under IATSE representing production titles. Of course we are. It's going to be a big, (laughs) big deal. And like, when was the last, like we're building this in 2023, you know, we're building this with a social awareness that, has, you know, a lot of white people have not had <laughs> until the <laughs> yeah. past couple of years. And, and we're, we're able to like equate that cultural safety mm-hmm. and that, that shift at, with physical safety. Like that's something that we've always yeah. talked about doing internally. We have a, a, a core committee called the Transformation Equity and Parity Committee, and everything runs through that. (laughs) Like, that's where we're drafting our constitution. And something we've always talked about is is being able to create this access and make sure that we are creating training and mandatory safety training and mandatory bias training and all of that as well. 
But yeah, we're both based in New York, so we we see it here. We see the divide. <laughs> we see the the history of exclusivity, and that was a bit of a hurdle too, like convincing people that like unionization was the right move because people yeah. have been you know so affected by what it has looked like before now, but we're in control. We, we, the production workers are in control. We are the union. We get to make this represent Fantastic. who we are. And we're also the hiring point as well. Yeah. It's like we're, we, I don't we're, think people get that a, so much. Have, the the much sheer power, amount of power right. that a production yeah. team has. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They don't get it, but they're going to. And we're going to be setting up, like we've been working with someone who's been um, kind of advising us as far as DEI, like, you know, mm. whiteness biases, so on and so forth. This amazing woman, Carrie Kelly, that Cheyenne and I met from doing a course last mm-hmm. year called Embodying Social Justice with this mm-hmm. incredible teacher whose name is Rev Angel Kyoto Williams. The group that we've put together, very representative group across from position in, in the industry, uh, diversity of you know ethnicity, race. Mm-hmm. All, so we're really have this great group together and we've We've written these core values that are five core values that are going to be what our constitution is grounded in and like all of our literature and what we've updated on our website and everything. So we're kind of trying to lay, you know, lay the the concrete with with this in place. So, you know, as it grows, that this is where it's going to grow from. Got to be from the ground up. Yeah. 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 And, and even in talking about like our bargaining agreement and the things we're mm-hmm. asking for, we're really equating those things to like looking at it in a very holistic yes. way. Like mm-hmm. a, a kit rental for production isn't just a kit rental. Like, yeah, sure. Like someone shouldn't be mm-hmm. spending their own money for property that's like used for the company, like absolutely in its basic understanding. But also like a kit rental is providing access to the yes. industry for an yes. office yes. office PA who can't yes. afford, I, you know, I've brought many people on who didn't have laptops mm-hmm. who like right. we had to like, so, you know, I got a friend to lend us one for the mm-hmm. day sort of thing. And so like these ideas of like a kit rental is important because, and then if the, you know, maybe if they don't have a computer, that kit rental goes to renting them a computer so that they can still work on the job too. So like, that's something that like, by having these, this committee and like really, really centering equity at Mm -hmm. all of this, we're, we're analyzing everything through that lens, because I also think there's a lot of education that needs to happen. Um, And people don't, people don't make those connections on their own, but once you are able to have a conversation Mm -hmm. and explain that to people, it clicks. And like, people start looking at these asks and these things as like, bigger than like, oh, this is just a group of people that like want raises or, you know, like yeah, kind yeah, of belittling yeah. it. It's like, no, this is this is how we balance the scales. This is how we level the playing field. This is how we uplift BIPOC people and like marginalized folks to have, you know, powerful positions in our society. Yes. Oh, God. I want to hit the clapping button again Um, (laughs) because it's like, you know, we was so for so many years, you know, we've uh, we're on the as production people, we're on the receiving end of ad agencies saying, you know, we want diversity inclusion. So, you know, you (laughs) need to hire some uh, people of color PAs or, you know, call streetlights if that I don't know if that's still around. But like and that is not the solution. The solution is education, mentorship 
and access and building that into the thing that you are all creating. It's, it's, and we talk about that a lot on this show. There is no formal education. There is no mentorship in this industry. For so many years, so much information was gatekept because information was power and information, knowing how to execute something that was your worth as a producer or as a production person. Starting to dismantle that is is so amazing to to see happen. It's what it's what's kept us so apart for so long too. Yeah. We've been we've been yeah. pitted against each other in competition of who will get hired again as a producer because you've come under or you're good at this and if you did not keep those secrets then somebody might become the next person that you were supposed to be. And that's just bullshit. There's so many of us and so many different styles and such a place for all of us that yeah, I mean, it was definitely a tool that was used against us from, you know, unionizing for a long time. You know, COVID really helped this happen, right? Totally. Because we yes. were all so yeah. trained and and educated on Zoom and it became it was such a comfortable place for people that we were able to organize all of these people to come mm-hmm. on to Zoom every week, which if we didn't have that, it would have been, it wouldn't have happened. I mean, we would not have been organizing right. the country in the same right. way. So, but we were also yeah. working 20 hour days and doing jobs back to back in order to make us happen. Yeah. So we had to have this yeah. huge stop. Unfortunately, yeah. it was at the expense yeah, of. Yeah, there would have been no, yeah. there, there would have been really challenging to do it otherwise. It was at the expense of a, mm-hmm. you know, global pandemic. But that said, like, that's right. what, I mean, how were we going to come out of this pandemic with, you know, figuring out how to, for our entire industry, how to work? It was production people. Yeah. We'll start testing. Mm-hmm. We'll do all these things. We did that. And to have yeah. come out of it to be almost <laughs> worse, like Lawrence and I, I'm sure, had multiple <laughs> shows on coming out of it. Like, Many times. how are we working harder than we did before? after like surviving totally. a pandemic and they're really the only industry working as well as we did they were we were testing yeah. and yeah. you know meat plants were testing for food so yeah it took that yeah. in order for us to realize it's time yeah well it's also interesting how like the isolation aspect of mm-hmm. like the pandemic for sure but also production department yeah. like we're so isolated you don't it's not like a grip you know or a prop or, or other departments where it's like it's a group of 16 people every other job <laughs> every job and you're really mixing with lots of other people in your industry in your specified craft personally there were a group there were maybe four producers that mm-hmm. I would work for and I had two folks who I would hire as a coordinator and that was it and if they, those people weren't available I wouldn't do a job because it's the wild yeah. stuff out there it really and is and so like you don't you don't connect <laughs> as much with each other right. like we are so by the design. production department is so mm-hmm. isolated we're all, we all were just like suffering alone in our little pod being told like you know you can't have overtime because you work more hours so it wouldn't be fair like that what what is I didn't even have the time to like break that down and be like yeah you're right I, I do have to work harder because of that like right. it doesn't make yeah, any sense it's not um and it wasn't until like Aaron said like zoom and like having these platforms to really yeah. connect that in this like extreme isolation that suddenly we realized there were thousands of us across the nation living like parallel experiences yeah. and, and really it just like the community mm-hmm. was always there, but it was unearthed in this process. It was, it was like yeah. the Me Too movement, you know? It was, it was, it was yeah, it really like was. That. It was everybody was like, oh my God, Me Too, Me Too, Me Too. You know, that's yeah. happening yeah. to me. And I know Cheyenne used the word Stockholm syndrome before, but it was also really interesting to see how many people were so unhappy, but didn't want to 
rock the boat. Yeah. And we're like, oh my God, but they're nice to me. You know, or how many producers right. were like, I, I treat my crews great. Right. Like, oh, I've heard that so no, many times. I'm so good to PAs. And it's like, well, if every single producer we spoke to or PM said, because everybody said, I'm so good yeah. to my crews. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we having so many people that are complaining about And yeah. if every company is saying, I treat my team so well, and every co- mm-hmm. team we talked to was like, oh my God, this job is so crazy. And I mean, the problem is, is it's just like, you know, like the, the managing director on the job that Cheyenne and I walked off at, at anonymous content, you know, he's like, it's a race to the bottom. And, and that's the thing. That's the, the narrative, like within the companies, no matter how high and mighty the company yeah. might be, it's a race to the bottom for all of them. You know, no one's we, holding yeah. up the standards, you know, mm-hmm. of, of how to work. And mm-hmm. so they can't really easily protect those underneath them. Right. Because they've agreed to something ridiculous because if they didn't take it X, you know, ABCD yeah. all the way through Z will be willing to take that job. You know, and then they're going right. to lose that money. And that's and, that's like Hollywood is based on that. There's totally. someone behind you who will take your yeah. job. Always. Yeah. And I think that's just the problem with co- the corporate mentality now in general. Right. It's just it's just like everyone is just out there for the money and and not really the quality of life <laughs> to go along with it. And then just a select few are making the money and everybody else is just yeah. working really hard. Yeah. And they hold all the power and they hold all the <laughs> yes. power. Yeah. Until we take it back. Until we take it back. Uh, Yeah, until we take it back, which is coming. I was in some of those early Zoom calls, and you were right. They they felt like therapy sessions because we were all able Mm -hmm. to voice, like, oh, my God, I feel this way, too. Oh, my God, I now have anxiety. Like, I'm not stressed. I literally have anxiety because of these jobs that I've never had before. And that was very cathartic and really got a great glance at a moment of time of how what everyone was going through. And we felt so connected, Mm -hmm. like not alone, you know, because... Production managing can be a very lonely job. You're, it's all up to you to figure it out, solve these problems, and uh, yeah, it's a lot. So yeah, and you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Like I said at the beginning, right? Like sister yeah. was just saying, like we have, you might have a twenty year career with a company, and you feel like they're mm-hmm. family. And then one yeah. job goes wrong and you never hear from them again. Or that could mm-hmm. that could happen. Oh, yeah. That's happened mm-hmm. to people. And wrong means Absolutely. not as under as they wanted you to be. <laughs> You're yeah, still under. Yeah. But... Or just the job goes wrong because that happens. Yeah. Because it jobs does. are crazy, yeah. you know, and it's not all yeah. on production to make sure to see it through, you know, and that's where the damned if you do, the damned if you don't, right? If you get it done, you're setting the precedent that, oh, they're going to be able to do that again. They did it this time. And if you, Every time. And if you, you're damned if you don't, then you're never getting hired again, you know? So mm-hmm. those, those, there's, I mean, you're only yeah. as good as your last job, Aaron. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Prince, why Cheyenne and I never worked again. We were too good. We were too good. <laughs> you were too good. Exactly. Christian, I just got a calendar for a job. And the timeline is totally crazy. It's so short. Like, how do you stay organized during prep when these timelines are truncated like that? There is so much to think about and no room for error. And to be honest, sometimes stuff falls through the cracks. I don't know. Have you ever bolted awake at 2 a.m. and screamed, humane society? Oh, my God. (laughs) Or even like, oh, the caterer. (laughs) Oh, my God. The director wants fog and I didn't put it on the 
friggin' permit. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> what gets me through these jobs, though, and even just my daily life, is checklists. I'm obsessed with checklists. That's the only way I can stay organized. Even though we've been doing this for years, a solid checklist is super useful. Yeah, even seasoned commercial pilots, like airline pilots who have been doing this for 25 years, <laughs> use checklists for the most basic things. That's how important they are. I'd like to think that my job is way more important than a pilot's job, but whatever. <laughs> so we did a thing and made a new pre-production checklist. This one is built for contemporary filmmaking methods. And, you know, it's also geared towards the way we're expected to work these days. Yeah, which is crazy fast. So don't let anything slip through the cracks. Get the pre-production checklist. There's a link in our show notes where you can grab it or you can just find it on our website, producershappyhour.com. Go get it! You know, you talked earlier about, you know, giving PAs some abilities to learn how to talk to a producer and, and that kind of training. And then these weird relationships we do have with these EPs and these production companies that treat us so well and we think they're family but can turn on a dime if something goes south. Now that we have this union and there will be a contract at some point, I imagine it's going to change our relationships with these EPs and, and production companies. Has, has there been any kind of thought about how that shift is going to kind of affect our those relationships? We're gonna, we're we're no longer going to be the ones negotiating, yes. and you know it's like the, yeah. the same reason actors have agents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know, union yeah. crew have a union, so that it you know it allows that relationship to actually be more pure and like more even keeled and balanced. I think a balance of power as well, because it's incredibly disempowering to go to your employer and have to advocate for yourself with no one protecting you, no one standing by you. That's why there is so much fear. That's why people do get blacklisted. And what this is going to do is really empower this community so that you can have those relationships. And you know what? They can be those relationships and you don't have to have those difficult conversations for yourself. There isn't someone pressuring you, exactly pressuring you into, you know, taking, there's a lot of illegal payroll practices that happen in our industry. Just change the time card. Just exactly, just, just you know. I've never done just that. Just pretend you didn't work thirteen days in a row. Just spread it out over a month. Like it, all, all of these different things. Just like having someone else deal with that. Having the agreement in place that does that and protects well, people. I feel like it would protect too. I, I know that I had a job last year cancel, and even though that it had said we need you exclusively until this date. Because I didn't have an agent or a union behind me, it didn't matter that they had booked me for that amount of time. I still did not get paid the amount of days that I was promised. That point is amazing because I've not thought of it from that that perspective before. It actually will strengthen your relationship with your EP because you do not have to go in and self-negotiate every fucking job you get hired for, which has been what I've done since... 20 plus, let's call it. But it is All true. It's just like I've had to scrape together everything for myself and my team that I treat well, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I really do. <laughs> um, but it's but that's also by definition, too, of what you think is treating well, right? It's each individual's oh, yeah. subjective, you know, definition that, um, yeah, I've been doing that by myself for so long that it would be nice just to take it out and say, I'm sorry, but, you know, the job canceled. This is what I get. 
I used to say this a lot because I do both union and non-union work with crews. And the union rules make the non-union job, like make guidelines so that even the non-union jobs have a set of rules. You can still pay Absolutely. You can still have the turnaround and all that. Just because there's not a union agreement behind it doesn't mean that there's not a set of rules we should all work with. Absolutely. And once you have the union portion of this industry, suddenly people are being treated, getting their benefits, you know, the rates are higher, all of that. There's going to be a lot less incentive to take those low wage jobs where people aren't being treated with respect or humanely as well. And that's going to drive the standard of the work, like, you know, Mm -hmm. of hiring and the workplace up to in non-union as well. Exactly. Like I know a lot of non-union crews who make more money than the union ones do because of their specialties or because they can name what they, because they can. Right. And I think that that is um, very powerful. The rules need to be here. It's worth saying too, that even with the union rules, like you can still negotiate your own street rate, you know, on union jobs, you're still going to have the ability to say, listen, Mm -hmm. I am, I am the cream of the crop. I can, you know, ask (laughs) for a higher rate and still get that. It's not limiting what you can ask for. It's just raising the floor. Right. Yeah. That was a big thing last year. I remember now or two years ago, when we were did our own mm-hmm. guidelines, you know, when we put the petition up at the uh, Lawrence, mm-hmm. you were involved in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that conversation with the other producers and production managers of like who who was deserving of the higher rate. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was really funny. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. If the union sends me a gaffer, I hire a gaffer on my own. They're the same exactly. price. I don't know why this exactly. is a discussion, yeah. guys. It was like, yeah. really, it was really weighted on. Their- Everyone's deserving of this. And then you can negotiate for more if you feel you're worth exactly. it. It was, it was interesting though. I feel like I know a couple of of those individuals. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I think we all do. We all oh, we do. I secretly have a fantasy of being a fly on the wall when Matt Miller or Jane Nunez got the <laughs> got I, that well, notification, will, but that's just me. <laughs> I will say that Aaron and I, it was like, we found out on last Saturday, so about a week and a half yeah. ago, and I got the call. Aaron didn't answer her phone. I got the call right as I was Why? I, well, hold on. Why did you answer your call? I, I, she didn't really, she wasn't near the phone. I, like, no, she, I don't answer any phone calls. Oh, because we were waiting to hear that we won our union. <laughs> I'm like, if you get a call from an IOTC rep on a Saturday, you answer the you call answer. when you're waiting for a majority to be declared. I was in the shower. So, I was in the shower actually. I had like no idea, and then I looked at my phone and saw all I, these mixed calls, mixed calls, and all I saw from Cheyenne was "We won!" And like, oh as the a text, I was like, "Oh yeah. my god!" How exciting! So- but I got the call as I was heading to Aaron's house. It was like perfect timing. We were going upstate for an evening. We were in the car, and we were just like talking to you know all the organizers who had helped us along the way, like having calls and letting people know. And I was like, you know what? The AICP is having the exact opposite day today. They are. <laughs> I was like, we're here getting the joy of like telling the volunteers in our WhatsApp group, like we did it. Like, you know, Amazing. having conversations with all of these people that have like pitched in along the way. And on the very other side, they're like, so we lost. Like, hmm. <laughs> wow. That's uh, the closest experience you two had to like winning an Emmy or something like that. Or like winning an Academy there was, Award. There was one yeah. moment where I said to Cheyenne in the car, I was like, you know, I think right at this very moment, we're the two most powerful people in commercials right now. Like this won't last for very long, but in this moment we are. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
amazing. Yeah. Wow. It was funny. I got to ask about healthcare because, you know, through this fight of trying to unionize over the years, this kind of consolation prize was handed down mm. to us of PHBP. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> uh, and so some people... I have many things to say. Yeah, some people have it. Not everyone has it. But I know that that is a common question I see in the socials. What happens to it? Do we switch over mm-hmm. to MPI? Is there? I don't know if there's been any thinking about how that works yet, but I know it's a question out there. Well, I want to... First, I want to lead with... The, the clarification that the deal we end up with, anything in negotiations that isn't conceded to that we don't win, is not because we have not asked for it or fought for it. It is because the people we are negotiating mm-hmm. with have made a decision to deny that to us. Right. right. So any any end result of this, you know, even in the unionization process, it was them not wanting us to have this. They are the reasons that we don't get anything. That being said, IATSE, it, you know, a lot of people were voicing concern about losing PHBP. PHBP Mm -hmm. has certainly been a lifeline for the 18% of the the community that it covers. It's a very small, very failing, Mm -hmm. poor, poor grade. Um, But for Mm -hmm. those people, it's absolutely a lifeline. It was, I was covered by PHBP my entire career. And without that, I would have been without insurance. That being said, early on in the career, people were voicing concern about losing it. And IATSE came out very publicly and said that if we want to negotiate for PHVP, we have that opportunity. So we are not beholden to the existing IATSE insurance plans. If as a group, we decide that PHVP is Mm -hmm. the best option, then great. That being said, with, you know, insurance is complicated. I don't understand it fully, but the no. little bit of research that I've done, I think there are lots of other great opportunities there, out there. There is, like PHBPs. Most, and... and most people who are most concerned are, you know, concerned because they're covering their whole families. And so there's course, multiple totally. people on of the course, plan. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that I realized about the IATSE plans is they cap out at 50 bucks per month for dependents. It's like $25 per dependent, and then it caps at 50, and you don't pay more than 50. So you can have a family of 10 people and wow. your dependents are covered for much, much less. I know I, Aaron has a family that was covered on PHVP. I think you were spending something mm-hmm. like $400, $500 a month yeah. covering $450 them. a month for a family of four. Yeah. And also beyond that, it's, I think, in everyone's interest, I would like to say in best faith, it's also in the interest of our employers. No one actually wants people to be robbed of their health care during this transition process. I think that is at the, the foremost of everything that we want this, you know, people to remain covered and for the transition to be as smooth as possible, whatever it is we decide. Maybe it's PHBP and suddenly a lot more people are covered by it. Or maybe we negotiate another plan and, and that shifts over and we have to figure out what that shift looks like like. Um, and that's something that will be decided, you know, with the AICP and with us, with IATSE behind us. And again, this can be real sweet. This can take care of a lot yeah. of people. And right. anything that doesn't happen is a result of the employer's blockading that. I've been railing against PHBP since 2006, 2007, whenever it came about, because it was the way that they set it up meant that only an elite few who worked at the major companies could qualify for it. So yeah, I mean, I think that there's a much better structure that could happen 
for sure. Something I would like to say right now that I think is like an education thing that people don't realize as well is, mm-hmm. you know, because P- the way PHBP works is, you know, there's an income bracket that you have to meet mm-hmm. or you have to make a certain amount of dates. It's very, very easy for producers to qualify because, you totally. know, you can work one income. or two jobs and you make the bracket as long as there are PHBP jobs. Something that isn't talked about and people don't necessarily realize is that all of those PAs and coordinators who don't quite make enough money or don't quite make enough days, the days that they work go in to help pay for the producer's health care plan. You know what I mean? It, 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 that mm-hmm. money is not suddenly gone. That's still paying into the program that is insuring those at the top. So it's siphoning a bit. <laughs> There's definitely a more equitable system. There's definitely there a way that we don't want anyone to lose health insurance. We're going to work very hard to make sure that doesn't happen. But more people can have health insurance, point blank. And maybe that's a, a sliding scale situation where maybe it's a lot easier for a PA to qualify. And maybe it's a little bit harder for a producer to qualify, but still pretty easy. You know, like how, how do we support the most people? It's, it's pretty not possible for PAs to qualify. At least I don't, I mean, I didn't do a survey on PAs in Los Angeles, but I would say the majority of the PAs we've spoken to in this process of unionization, which is a lot of them, thousands of PAs we've spoken to, none of them have health insurance. None of them. None of them. And and they're usually the, the youngest and the healthiest that would absolutely qualify for a lower plan that, I mean, it just, it doesn't make sense to not include them. <laughs> it never has. And so when people yeah. were saying they shouldn't be included, I was like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? They should not be left on their own just to learn from what good or bad production teams that we should actually have some sort of structure. It is an entry level position, but it's yeah. not, it's not a stepping stone for everyone. You know what I mean? No. And you talked about New York, the best PA in New York are, you know, black and brown men who are in their 40s and 50s, you know, and have full families that they support. And it's like, we need to provide, and even if they were, you know, 19-year-old kids straight out of college, like that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that people don't deserve health care. You know, we exactly. just we just need to be supporting the people in this industry. Everybody deserves it. And I mean, I've said this a few times on the show. I have a one special um, guy, one of my best friends, a uh, New York truck PA, who, when I met him, my level of production managing went from okay to spectacular. Because when you have that kind of support on your team, then you, you don't have to worry about this, the things that you're asking. Like, it's amazing. And so to not include a vital member of your team for the only reason of their title or that they make less money is insane to me. They're just as valuable as everybody else. Absolutely. So yes. All labor yeah. is skilled labor. There you go. I, I mean, this may be popular or unpopular, but New York truck PAs are some of the best, yes. hardest working people on earth. Hell yeah. <laughs> I will support that. Sorry, LA. <laughs> Not saying they're any better or worse than you, but they just are. They're fucking amazing. Miracle workers. Like, I, I know people who can do pickups and returns at 20 different vendors in New York City during rush hour and still make their, they make all the pickups. So, like, I don't even have to worry about it. They make it happen. <laughs> okay, we'll end it with asking this. Um, we get a guest that once quoted, let's build utopia. What is your dream utopia when it comes to this union? I know. <laughs> I know. I've already teared up several times in this conversation. True freedom by the way, for because... everyone. That's my yeah. That's my true that's freedom. My utopia vision. Absolutely. Wellness for everyone. Wellness. You know, the opportunity for wellness for people. Yeah. Liberation. Absolutely. And joy, yeah. you know, I love it. A biz, an industry where people can experience joy also 
and not just be yeah. so caught. I mean, which is freedom, right? You know, mm-hmm. where you can have totally. freedom to do what you want. Where everyone feels well, safe. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's one of those rare industries that we, um, that you don't have to go to college. You can absolutely do what we do mm-hmm. through learning and on the job training. And there's so much potential here that uh, this has been a long time coming, ladies, for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time, but you've been noses down hard at work and your work has paid off. So really congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. And we should do like Such one of it towards the end of the year and we could see how yes. how much progress we've made since we started. Yeah. I love it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there'll be, there'll be tons of questions once contracts are coming together. And so, yeah, yeah. we'll have you on again for sure. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. What's the best way for people to either mm-hmm. get in touch with you or learn more about Stand With Production? Yeah, so the best way to get in touch with us is our email info at standwithproduction.org. Aaron and myself monitor that personally, along with a couple mm-hmm. of volunteers, but more often than not, it's Aaron and myself responding to folks directly. Um, we don't turn anyone away. <laughs> anyone who has a question, uh, even if, you know, mm-hmm. anything, we, we want to answer. We want to, you know, maintain a relationship with the community because this is a, for all of us and, you know, yeah, open door policy for same with production. So please email us. And, and our website also has a lot of information, um, our mission statement, and it's very soon up to date about us. And then also frequently asked questions, mm-hmm. a place to sign up. If you're interested in learning more about the union, you want to join, we'll be able to keep track of people that way um, when it comes to the time to be talking membership with folks. So amazing and and the website is standwithproduction.iatse.net or you just google stand with production which is what i do i had to look up the website (laughs) (laughs) it's in there somewhere google stand with production the one with iatse in it that's us baby that's the one (laughs) sister how do how do people get a hold of you if they want to Oh, you know me. I'm at sisterchristianproduces.com. And Lawrence, if they want you, how do they get you? Well, since we mentioned voiceover, voiceoflawrence.com for the voice, <laughs> producing lawrencetlewis.com. Thank you all very much. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Producers Happy Hour is brought to you with the help of the handsome Christopher Daniels, who is a design and branding specialist, and Brendan Russell at podlad.com who is our fabulous editor. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to dive deeper, subscribe to our listeners' newsletter. Simply go to producershappyhour.com to sign up. Thanks for listening, and remember... Enjoy happy hour while you can. Because making shit is hard. Hard, hard, hard.